Well, Merry Christmas and welcome, welcome, welcome to our Christmas Eve service. This night is a special night because tomorrow everything is going to break loose. Your children are going to go crazy. Hopefully you get up in the morning, you got to cook breakfast, you got to clean up from tonight. So tonight is a special night. Right now, all is calm, all is bright. Tomorrow morning it may be a little different, but right now we can celebrate together. And I'm so thankful we can do this and gather together. And here's why. Because in the world, it can get so busy that we never take time to spend with God. Sometimes we get so busy that we forget that there is a God who loves us the way he does. And so tonight, as we talk about on the eve of believe, it's really a way for us to gather our thoughts, for us to remember what we truly believe in. When you came in, you were given a bulletin or some notes that will help you to follow along. You can use the church app if you downloaded that to your phone. But if you're new and you didn't know that, you can, you can do that after we're done. Or you can do that now if you're that quick. One thing is for sure, that all of us tonight will be able to understand a little bit clearer, not just our relationship with God, but how everything came into being when God brought his one and only son to us. What is interesting is that sometimes we are one moment, one decision, one thought away from seeing the greatness of God. And sometimes it's just that one decision that takes us further away from God that he says, I am still great, but here's something that I want to do in your life, but you're going to have to come closer to me. We're going to take a look at a story. You may have heard it before, the, the three wise men. They were astrologers and they were looking for the Messiah. And God used the signs of the heavens, the stars, to show them where to go. And usually what happens right before we see the move of God is a moment of doubt and fear. And sometimes even skepticism. That's what happened to those who encountered the birth of Jesus. On the eve of his birth, they were faced with a myriad of obstacles, but they were able to persevere because their sights were on the possibilities rather than how they felt. Sometimes we follow our emotions rather than what we know and what is true. See, belief is always preceded by opportunities to doubt. So when there's something to believe in, there's also something to doubt. In the book of Matthew chapter 2, if you do have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'll, I'll read the story to us. But Matthew chapter 2, I'll read from verses 1 through 16. And this is when the Magi visit Jesus along with his mother Mary and Joseph, his father. So it starts off in verse 1. And it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? And then they said this, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And the reason why they were disturbed is because the Magi said, we have seen his star and we have come to worship him. So they were well aware of the constellations. So just think of, well, we live in Hawaii, so we can see the stars at night. But in certain cities, you might be visiting from a city, uh, from somewhere else, and in your city, you cannot see the stars like how we see the stars here in Hawaii due to pollution or, you know, particles in the atmosphere. But back then, 
they could see the stars much better than what we can because they didn't have all the uh, interferences like we do. So they could understand the stars. So when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet, what the prophet has written. And now they're going to quote Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 5. And it says this, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, Herod does not want to hear that there's another ruler. No king wants to hear that. If a king wants to rule and he wants to dominate and he wants to take over, he doesn't want to hear about another king rising up. So he's going to do something about it. Then King Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. But that's not what he was going to do. He just wanted to know where the child was so that he could destroy him, kill him, get him off the face of this planet. So after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. First of all, stars don't stop. So this is something to pay attention to. So they saw, they saw the star and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, this is the promised child that, remember uh, chapters earlier, that God sent Gabriel, the angel, to Mary and Joseph and said, you guys are going to have a child, and this child will be the son of God. So now he's saying, you need to take this child, get out of here, because Herod is going to kill this child that I told you is going to be the, who is the son of God, who is going to save all people. So he got up, took the child and his mother during, during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. So he stayed there quite a while. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and gave orders to kill the boys all the boys in Bethlehem and its, and its vicinity, so around there, who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. In other words, the Magi saw the star and they made their journey. And by the time they get there, they see the star had stopped over the place where Jesus was to be born. And so they asked Herod, hey, where is where, the religious leaders, where was this child supposed to be born? Oh, in Bethlehem which is like five miles away. So they make their way there. Now, all of this takes place 
And it seems as if we read this story, we see the, the, the pictures with the, you know, the three wise men, the, Bethlehem, the star of Bethlehem, the, 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 uh, the scene with the baby Jesus in, in the, the manger. And, and so we see these things and we, we don't put it all together. It just looks like a nice scene. It looks beautiful. It looks nice. Stars out at night and a nice fireplace, animals around. So it, it looks really good. But we may miss the entire story of what God was trying to show us as well as what was taking place with these magi. When they see the star, they know how to read the sky. Some of you know how to read the stars and you're, you're familiar with the constellations. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a quick uh, astronomy kind of thing that took place, okay? So bear with me. If I'm off a little bit, let me know after. So <laughs> what takes place is you have Jupiter, and you have a star, Jupiter, the king planet, right? And you have another planet called Regulus. And they're so close that it looks like, it's a, it looks like a special star. So the Magi see this, and Jupiter is known as the king planet. Regulus is also known as the little king star. Or they just call it the king star. Or the prince star, but mostly they call it the king star. The Romans called it Rex, and that meant king. So different uh, countries called it different names, but it, they all meant king, the star Regulus. So you have the king planet and the king star. So you can already see that there is some kind of kingship happening over here. So the, these magi, they notice this. They're familiar with the stars. When this planet here, when Jupiter and Regulus are in conjunction and you see this bright star taking place and they notice this, what they also notice is that there is something that Jupiter does that's pretty strange uh, something called retrograde motion. Okay, so some of you are following me, and if you're not, it's okay. Retrograde motion means because we're here on earth. Stick with me, okay? This is going somewhere. Some of you are lost. That's okay. Because we're on a moving earth, we're rotating, right, as well as revolving around the sun, because that happens, when we're rotating around the sun or revolving around the sun while we're rotating, it looks like Jupiter would actually, instead of going in one direction, it looks like it would loop around and then come back. It's kind of like if you're driving in your car next to someone and you, you slowly pass them. It looks like they're slowly stopping and then they're going backwards, but they're not. You're just speeding. So it's just, there's the, it's a retrograde motion. So, and then they kind of catch up with you. So, so that's what's happening right here. And it almost seems like, which is pretty cool, that there's like a crown over this planet, this little planet Regulus, which is not what I'm trying to get to, but I just thought that was pretty cool, that there's like a, a crown over that. So this is happening in the stars. Now, God is speaking to these Magi, in a way that they could understand. If it was you and I, and we don't understand the stars, God speaks to us in a different way. Maybe God speaks to you when you go surfing, that you enjoy outdoors, or when you go hiking, God can speak to you. Maybe it's during a time of worship, or when you're listening to worship music, 
Or maybe God speaks to you when you're doing art or playing music or an instrument or golfing. <laughs> Some of you can say, oh, no, God speaks to me when I golf. Honey, I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to go golf. So regardless of whatever, God speaks to us in ways that we can understand. So he was speaking to the Magi in a way that they could understand. But what we didn't, what we couldn't kind of comprehend is how does a planet stop or how does a star stop because they said the star stopped over where the child was. Well, this retrograde motion, when the, when the planet comes back or it looks like that, it pauses right here because it's coming back. So it actually, it, it doesn't stop necessarily. It's just, it looks like it stops. But that's what the Magi used as their location. And the, the author of this book, who is Matthew, is not an astronomer. So he's the one writing this stuff. He's just writing what he witnessed and what was heard. So he wrote all this down. Little did Matthew know who was a tax collector. He was a tax collector. He writes this stuff down, which we can use today to pinpoint when Jesus was born, which causes us to believe that he was born at a certain time. Here's the coolest thing. When Copernicus and Kepler came up with the mathematical formula of the, of the solar system and us revolving around the sun, we can take that formula, put it into software, into a computer, and rewind the tape all the way back to around 2 or 3 BC to check out if this matches up, and it matches up perfectly. Everything that took place matches up perfectly. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, it talks about, and, and sometimes you read the book of Revelation, and it seems like, wow, that's so far-fetched. But it says this in Revelation 12, verse 1. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. So it sounds like, whoa, wait, what is that? But at the time, roughly around the time, when Jesus, uh, or when Mary and Joseph was being spoken to by the angel Gabriel about being conceived by the uh, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive and then give birth to a son. When Gabriel speaks that to Mary and when we go back into the computer and look back at that time, we find that the constellation Virgo is coming up on the horizon and there's a crescent moon right at the feet of Virgo, which Virgo is the virgin. So it kind of gives us a sign of at that specific time that the virgin would give birth. Now, I just thought that was pretty cool that we can go back and pinpoint when that was happening. Now, fast forward the tape a little bit. When these magi see the star, and now they're going to Bethlehem, to Jerusalem, to see what is happening. Well, they come to the place where the star had stopped, or this, this planet. And at that time, when this had taken place, when we put that into the computer... And the Magi visit the baby Jesus. Well, by that time, he's grown. He's about two years old. That's why Herod had to kill all the babies who were two years old and under. By the time they come to Jesus, he's about a toddler. And when they put it in the computer system, this formula, and trace it all the way back, when the Magi came to give the gifts to Jesus, frankincense, gold, and myrrh, they dated back to our calendar system of December 25th. 2 BC. And you can look that up. You can check out the research. It lands the, the star or Jupiter stopped 
in this retrograde motion to rotate back from our position on December 25th. Now, it didn't mean anything to them because they weren't on our calendar system. It meant nothing to them, but it means something to us. That might have been the actual first Christmas that we still celebrate today. Now, you put all of this into context, it seems pretty cool. It's like, wow, it's so like, precise. Well, God is precise. But he speaks in such a way that they could understand. And what was happening at that time was Rome wanted to rule. And so they call the census. They have a celebration. They, 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 want, to, they want to dominate. And so when they hear of this new king that's going to rise up, they don't want that to happen. And that's why Herod started killing the babies. And Herod would not have done that if Micah the prophet did not say what he said when they quoted Micah and said, Out of Judah, you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What is interesting is even though that happened 2,000 years ago, it still affects us today. In Job chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says that he is the maker of the bear and Orion, the Pleiades, and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. In other words, God still gives us signs and wonders, not necessarily just through stars and things to, to, for us to be wondered by, but he, he steps into our life and he guides us. In Luke 21, 25, it says there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Psalms 1, excuse me, 19 verses 1 through 4 says that the heavens proclaim the glory of God. I mean, right now there's snow on top of Mauna Kea. And if you've been up there, you can see the stars. And it is unbelievable. I mean, you, you look at the stars and you probably say the same thing. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak. They speak without a word or sound. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. And their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. In other words, God says, yeah, you're going to be on this earth. And you may not believe in me, but everything around you does. Everything around you speaks of me. Everything around you shows my glory. And so now what do we do with this? If the heavens communicate to us, God gives us stars to, to, to lead us to him. What do we do with this? Because we're going to fall into two categories, really, or maybe even more than that, but basically two categories. The category of the magi, that we're going to follow the ways of God, or we're going to follow or are we going to fall into the category of Caesar or Herod? That we don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. See, we're, we're, going to, we're going to find ourselves in different areas because here's the first thing. If you want to remember something or write something down, we are all shaped by what we believe. I am shaped by my beliefs. If you believe everything the media tells you, you will be shaped by it. You'll become irritated, argumentative disappointed a lot, and even divisive towards others, even in your very own family. You're going to say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk politics right now. I don't want to talk about it. Tonight that might even happen. Someone's going to bring up something, and then, oh, everybody's just going to start grumbling. Stay away from that tonight. 
just talk about family, talk about love, talk about Jesus and the Savior. If you believe eating whatever you want won't affect your health in the long run, it'll shape you. Literally. <laughs> if you believe God has a plan for your life and it is for your good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope, then God will shape you to become the very best that you can be because we're shaped by what we believe. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Our faith. Some of you are probably going to try and guess what gift that person gave you. You're going to pick it up, you're going to feel it, you're going to shake it, and you're going to see how heavy it is. And you're going to try and guess what it is. Some of you have already done that, and you, you might know. But here's a warning. Be careful what you think you're getting, lest you become disappointed. <laughs> because you might think, oh, I'm getting this. This is what I always wanted. You open it up, it's like, oh, wow. This is so cool, a set of pens. It's what I needed. So be careful what you're shooting for because you can become disappointed. Why? Because what you believe will shape you. And when we put our faith in God, he never disappoints. The Magi, they believed that, that Jesus was the Messiah. Caesar and some of the other Jewish leaders didn't. Herod didn't. And it shaped their lives to the point of killing babies and eventually killing Jesus 33 years later. We're shaped by our beliefs. By the way, when Jesus was crucified... On that day when he was crucified, the same constellation came up, which was Virgo, and at her feet was the moon. But this time it was a full moon, and it was a blood, it was a red, uh, blood red moon because there was an eclipse. So people were freaking out. And even the Romans were thinking, okay, something's wrong. Something's wrong. In fact, it's recorded in the Bible that they even said, this is the Son of God. For them to see what was happening in the skies, they started to believe because we're shaped by what we believe. The second thing to understand is that God guides me for my good. God will always guide us for our good. See, we will all go through doubts and fears, especially of the unknown. When we don't know, when, we, when we're unsure, when we take a risk, we're going to have doubts, we're going to have fears. We doubt that God will pull through. We, we doubt that God will provide. We doubt that God will speak. We doubt that God will bring it together. We doubt that God can. We have fears of failing. We fear that things aren't going to work out. We have fears of what if, or we have fears of being alone. We have fears of what if my health doesn't get better. We have all kinds of fears. And Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I think too much, too many of us, we lean too much on our own understanding. And then let's read this last part together. Ready? Go. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your, your paths. I'm so glad that we have someone who can direct our paths that can see a whole lot further than we can for ourselves. That's the God in whom we believe. God will often use what you can understand to guide you. For the Magi, he used the stars. For the religious leaders and priests, God used the scripture and prophecy. Some believed, others didn't. Some pushed God away, 
Some drew near to him. Even till this day, God still guides us in ways for us to understand. I remember when I first began serving, that was kind of like my way to understand God. I, I was able to at least draw nearer to God through serving. I like being around people. Uh, and so when I started serving, it's like my relationship with God became stronger and stronger because I, I had other believers around me supporting me, encouraging me, praying for me kind of you know, slapping me in the head once in a while when I needed to get back on track. I had people who loved me to bring me back to God. And so God spoke to me in a way that I could understand. Sometimes he'll speak to me when I'm outdoors and I love watching the sun set, the sun rise. I love art, so he'll speak to me that way. But mostly, primarily, God speaks through his word because this is accurate. So he speaks to us in ways that we can understand. Sometimes you read the Bible and you say, I don't understand any of this. I read this and I, I don't even know what it means. I only understand like 0.2%. Well, that's good. If you understand 0.2%, apply that. Really, 0.2, I, under, I understand the and then. Yeah, apply that. Because when you apply that, you're applying 100% of what you know of 0.2%. And then you grow from there. Little by little, the more you get into the word of God, you begin to understand more and more. Let God speak to you in ways that you can understand, but make sure it lines up with the word of God. Don't just walk around and say, oh, God's speaking to me. I can do whatever I like. No, I understand. You don't understand. He's not speaking to you. He's speaking to me. So I do what I like, what I feel God telling me to do. Make sure it matches with the word of God, lest we go astray. But he does. He speaks to us in such a way that we can understand. In the book of Romans, it tells us crystal clear that I think we can understand this. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, God guides us for our good. His will for us is always for our good. And we will either be guided by the world or by the Lord. The choice is up to you. But he allows us to choose. Here's the last thing we want to catch. We're going to have to decide who or what we're going to worship. You might think, worship? I don't, I, I don't know about that. I don't, I'm, not, no, I'm not that far from God that I start worshiping other things and idols and all of this. No, no. That's, see, sometimes we think worship is you have to be in a, a specific location, bowing down at a certain posture, at a statue or something like that. But we worship all kinds of things. And sometimes without even knowing it. And so why, the reason why God says to choose me is because anything else ruins us. If we worship anything else. And they might think, well, that's kind of stingy of God to say that I'm the only God. Aren't there other gods? Well, small g, made up gods, yes. But there is only one God. And so when he says to worship him, it's for our good. It's always for our good. On the eve of believing, you're always going to have some type of doubt, some type of thought that comes in. On the, on the eve of when God wants to bring in a promise, you're going to have a doubt. You're going to be skeptical. You're going to have your reasons. And God is saying, I, I have something for you. But here comes your doubts, your fears, even sometimes excuses. And he's saying, no, no, no. You're going to have to decide who or what you're going to worship. The Magi, they, they decided who they would worship because if they had any doubts, God spoke to them in such a way that he was crystal clear. God led them specifically 
to the place that the Son of God was to be born. And they could understand. The stars gave them signs. Now listen very carefully. The stars gave them signs to guide their life, not to run their life. It just guided them to true life. What they didn't do is worship the stars because that can happen. That we think, oh, it's, it's God gave us all these things so we can worship these things. No, no, no. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. And so the magi, they didn't worship creation. They worship the creator. If you allow the stars to, to run your life, that's called astrology. And the Bible says, no, no good, no good that. That's not the one you want. The stars should just give us signs, not run our life. For some of us, maybe, maybe for some of us, we'll go to a, a certain restaurant. Because I've been asked this question. They say, what about fortune cookies? Well, is, that, is, that, is that God speaking to me? So you, you open a fortune cookie, and it says things like, um, love is right around the corner. And you're like, ooh. <laughs> Honey, look, love is right around the corner. Give me that. You throw them away. Like, there's certain things that are said, and sometimes, sometimes it makes sense, right? Sometimes it says, hey, you need to get up and stop being lazy. It's like, ooh. This one wrong, eh, honey? This one for you. Just, it's like it's not it's not the right one. But it sometimes it makes sense. But what what we don't do? I mean, and it may be funny, but it's not something that we let run our life. I I remember my mom when we were growing up. She used to read the horoscopes, and uh, you know uh, whatever sign you are, right? Whatever Taurus, Taurus is it Taurus? Yeah, um, Gemini. I think that's all I know. Virgo, crab one. <laughs> this, uh, Leo, Leo is, is Leo one? Lion, the lion, okay. Yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Um, but if you, what she would do is read the horoscopes and she would read it and believe it because it sounded really good. And she would, she would say, Sheldon, read this, read this, that's me. And so I read it and I was like, wow, mom, that's, that is you. Then I would read another one. That's you too. <laughs> and so so it, it can make sense to anyone. It can make sense to anyone. So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, that's not something we worship. It's not something that guides our life. So if you're someone who is kind of leaning into that, I would say this. Draw close to God who created the heavens. Because he's more accurate. So accurate that when Jupiter is doing this, when Regulus is in conjunction with Jupiter, when Jupiter stops at those specific times, the constellation that it was in was Leo, which is the lion. And Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. Judah is recognized as the tribe of the lion. God is specific in everything that he does. He's crystal clear when he speaks. But you and I are going to have to decide who we're going to worship. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and on earth to witness the choice you make. Let's read this together loud and clear. Ready? Go. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Yeah, we're going to have to decide 
who we're going to worship, what we're going to worship. But God says, okay, it's your choice, but choose life. Choose life that you and your descendants might live. He's given us the answer. Someone once said it like this, you cannot ride two horses at the same time thinking you'll win the race. It's like you have to choose. And so does God say to us, you've got to choose. The Magi made it clear who they would worship. Herod said he would, but his intention was to find Jesus to kill him because he felt that he was supposedly the one and only king. But Jesus is the king. The question is this, I want to ask you tonight, what do you believe? What shapes your life? And what is your walk with God like? Not in a condemning way, but more of, of an encouraging way. That we have the God of heaven beckoning us to himself, giving us his one and only son. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because if you believe in the ways of the world, well, we see where the world is heading. But we're going to have to decide who or what we're going to worship. My encouragement to you tonight, plain and simple, on this Christmas Eve, I pray that you would believe in God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and we're going to pray tonight. And as we pray, I just want to, I just want to kind of press upon your heart that the hope that God gives to you and the hope that God gives to me through Jesus Christ is beyond our imagination. That he is the hope for a broken marriage. He is the hope for a broken relationship. He is the hope for broken dreams. He is the hope for brokenness. He is the hope for when our children go astray. He's our hope when it doesn't seem like you can go any further. He's our hope of all hopes. He is the dream of all dreams. And if you have this relationship with Jesus Christ, you understand this hope and the future that he promised. And maybe God is kind of tugging on your heart tonight and he's saying draw close to me don't don't run further draw close to me and i will show you how great i am and how much potential you really have you might be here tonight and you're saying you know i, I don't know jesus yet i kind of i kind of know god i but I, I i don't i don't have a relationship with him i i think i'm more on the religious side that i, I kind of visit god but he doesn't live in my heart. Well, if that's you tonight, I, I want to say a prayer with you. And, and what this prayer does is it, it, it gives you that one step closer to God by saying yes to him. And in saying yes to him, what you're saying is, can you, can you live in my heart? Because I, I, want, I want the hope of all hopes. And if you're here tonight and you're saying, you know, I've never, I've never accepted Jesus in my life, but I want to do that right now. I, I want to pray tonight would you just lift your hand i'll pray with you i'm not going to ask you to stand or anything i just want to acknowledge that you're receiving jesus yeah god bless you just hold your hands up yeah god sees you god bless you it's an eternal prayer this is a, a prayer of salvation of eternal life okay okay god sees you too god bless you god sees you right there okay right there god sees you I'll give you time. Some of you have to think it through. I know it's a tough decision. God sees you right there. Take the risk. God sees you. God sees you. God saw you right there, back there. 
God sees you. Okay. Yeah, God sees you right there. Yeah. Just take your time. God sees you too. Back there, God sees you right here. He's tugging at your heart. He's calling you to himself. You've been sensing it for a while. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray this prayer together. In fact, all of us, we can pray this prayer. And and just remember what we believe. And as we say this prayer, if you're saying this for the first time, you include your heart because you're speaking to the God who loves you, who created you. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you came and died for me rose from the grave to give me eternal life. And I say this, that I believe in you, that I trust you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said together, amen. Can we just congratulate those who said yes to Jesus this evening? That is the best decision that you'll ever make. Best decision.